Hey students, welcome to episode 27 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni. On this week's show, I'm joined by Jeff Winograd from The Red Cohort. We talk about Jeff's time in Hanoi, his final film project, and the pain and anxiety that a director experiences between an assembly cut and a final cut. On with the show. Yeah, I had been living back in the U.S. for uh, about a year and a half. So this would have been September of 2016. Mm -hmm. September of 2016, I'd been living in Vietnam before, and I just came back because I wanted to pursue comedy. And let me tell you, Hanoi's a great place. Not one for an American comedy star. <laughs> um, Calling yourself a star already. Well, that's what I wanted. That's that was my ambition. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, hey, man, you got to know the pond. You you got to know if you're fresh or salt water. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so I came back and I was just like working a job, and it took me a long time to just sort of readjust. Um, I had been used to culture shock, but yeah, just I I don't know. I wasn't because Vietnam was kind of an extension of college. Mm -hmm. Um, in the sort of like lack of responsibility I had. Yeah. Um, and how easy it was to just make friends, whatever. And like here, you know, being an adult is fairly different. Anyway, I was just working for a year and a half and I'd been taking um, a like the sketch writing uh, classes at Second City. Mm -hmm. So September of 2016, I um, it was like our show it was like our um, we put on like our graduation mm -hmm. show. And it was a good show. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It was a pretty good show. Um, it was a good show. Yeah. It was a good show. Hey, yeah. Pretty um, good show. Compared to other ones I've seen, très bien. But anyway, <laughs> both the night before one of the shows, my parents took me to dinner at Adobo. And uh, so, um, well, this will come out at some point or other. So I've actually known the Ramis family for a while. Mm -hmm. My parents um, have been friends with them. Uh, yeah, s since... We roughly moved to Glencoe mm -hmm. one so about twenty years ago, um, and so uh, they invited Erica too mm -hmm. the show into dinner, and it was at this uh, dinner that Erica, you know, had mentioned, oh, she thinks that I should apply. Yeah. So I was like, all right, might as well. Took me about like, I you know, it took me about a year to get uh, the um get like the application together mm -hmm. i meant to like get it in for february but i didn't until like may or something <laughs> um yeah it um, takes some time like it, you it's one of those things where you think you you look at the list you're like oh i can put that together and yeah. then it th but then it does take some time to put together like i had to solidly sit down like i already had the film done mm -hmm. uh but i had to solidly like sit down for the writing bit and spend like a day and a half like actually putting together all the all the written pieces that they needed the written pieces yeah and the like video interview yeah and between me being a perfectionist and me not liking to reveal who i am um you know, it was it was it was a struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I I eventually made it through and I got accepted. Uh, I would just like to say, Erica stated at the get go that she would not be on the board deciding whether or not mm -hmm. I got in. You got so. in on your own merit. Yes, which exactly. I can I can believe. You are you are a humorous gentleman. <laughs> I would prefer meritus, meritorious, Mer meritorious, meritricious. Sure. Yeah, meritricious. That anyway, sounds, that's I don't I don't know what's right in that situation, but that sounds like 
attrition and merit put together. <laughs> like you were the best person left. <laughs> to say meritricious. Yeah, I think <laughs> the best of the rest. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll uh we'll we'll look that up after. Um so anyway, that's how I got in and and like this whole time too I was I like I think I was wavering but I wanted to do like sketch. I preferred doing sketch. Um I kind of wanted to do like stand up, mm-hmm. but I also like um just the thought of having to go to all those open mics and everything and just sitting there and yeah. I'm 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 a, I'm more I'm a more extroverted like person than uh, not to say stand-ups aren't extroverted but you, you know I like being surrounded by like supportive people. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the stand-up community. Yeah, like, no. They the it's it's a lot of tear each other down. Like tear each other down for fun, but also tear each other down behind their back and also tear each other down in front of their faces. That's true. <laughs> and and I, I was even just thinking of the kind of person who might go to a lot of those open mics and want and this is totally based on the the limited experiences I've had. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing I'm go- very good at it is a, extrapolating a very specific thing that happened and applying it as a rule uh across all peoples. But um uh hey that's man how i survived culture <laughs> shock uh, so <laughs> um yeah just just the sort of like oh the a lot of the stand-ups and not that that they were necessarily good stand-ups or whatever but they're just kind of like they just seem like very tired and like they don't want to talk yeah <laughs> um yeah and that's i was like well i i, I might as well just talk into a microphone on youtube yeah um I was uh, I met up with a friend of mine that was in town. Uh, we met in D.C. She lives in uh, Michigan now, but uh, we we got to talking about. Um, she wants to put together like a stand up routine. She wants to try stand up comedy, mm-hmm. and and I was like, you should try improv first. And she's like, I just I don't work well with people. She's like, I just need to be I need to go up and do my own thing and <laughs> and like have it all prepared. And she's like, I can't think on my feet. And like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but, I think they're yeah, both. Funeral. I think there's merits to both. Oh, uh, of course. The, the people that can do both are the, are the ones who are, you know, I think the most successful. I mean, my my issue with stand up is a purely sociological, like yeah. interpersonal thing. <laughs> I don't like people who don't like people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but I I was also just I'm not great at networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like well, like I said. In college and in Hanoi, it's very easy to meet people, and people are generally like very open-minded, and yeah. they have the free time or resources to just like, hey, want to chill with a beer? I just met you two hours ago, but hey, yeah, mm-hmm. this is going all right. And in the states, it's not really people don't have the time or the money, yeah, to do either of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah, just to hang out. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so coming here, that was the that was the goal was to to uh, become the comedic superstar. What what do you want to do? What's the what's the long term goal? Um, I would, I mean, the long term goal is to not have to work for my money. But, <laughs> um, barring that, uh, the long term goal I would love to. You know what? That's a it's like I say be a writer slash I, I would say be a writer slash performer, mm-hmm. but also one thing I just seem to hear again and again 
is I'm, you know what? So I'm a very destination like driven person. Mm-hmm. Journeys are fun, whatever. And I've gotten much better at appreciating that. But like just the thought of like, oh, I did this great thing. All right, you do you do another thing? Like my story doesn't just end at the <laughs> climax. There is this going to be this long decay and like life-altering changes. So I want to do I want to do something great. You know, I want to be yeah, I want to but I'd like to get through that great thing by like writing. I'd love to perform as well, but I'm a better writer. Okay. Did that make any sense? Yeah. It makes some. <laughs> I want to be a writer, and I am very vain. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. And what what kind of stuff are you trying to do? Is it television, movies? Um, I thought I came in thinking I wanted to do movies, and in some ways I still would. But I'm focusing more on television. Mm-hmm. Um, so television because it's like, oh, you can actually tell more complex things via television, and they can be longer. Mm-hmm. And also, I would like to s- get my feet in just in a writer's room, and there's no such yeah. thing as like a writer's room for a movie. Yeah, and it, and also and, yeah, yeah, unless it's like the Simpsons movie or something like that. That's exactly. Done, but yeah, yeah. And 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 also, I mean, ideally, I'd love to like be part of like a sketch. Like, what I would love most is to be part of like a sketch group that like makes it big. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I would have the most like where I would have the most fun. Which I feel like is so hard nowadays. Like oh the yeah. I, I think um, Key and Peele was the last super successful but, one. And even then, they it's not like they just rose out of, n- like, the two of them rose out of nothing. Right. They met on Mad TV. They right. already had, yeah. And both of them had a, had a pedigree coming into it of yeah. stuff they'd worked on in the past. So. Yeah, they weren't, sc- they weren't little, little scrappy boys yeah. working their way up from the, I shouldn't be doing a southern voice and calling them boys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know, from the from the from the comedy minds of 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 New York. Yeah. You know, yeah, they had pedigree. Like, or there's the Baron. The what's the? It's that female comedy group. But uh, the Baron Baron Vaughn. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's a female. Co- I think they're a Canadian female comedy group. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've gotten like a show. But even then, that's the other thing. Having a show, like people imagine that as the like, as the goal, but. Like no, are you gonna be on that show for fifty years? Right. <laughs> that's like that's that's, but I, I think that's that's the case with any job. I mean the you know one of the things we talked about on here before and and they mentioned pretty early on in the program is that like working with Lynn is not gonna be like job placement because oh, yeah. there's no such thing. Like mm-hmm. the, the jobs are all transient. They're all it's it's a gig based you know yeah. uh, industry, and so it's it's. No, th- nothing lasts forever. Like unless unless you get lucky enough to end up on like the next Simpsons, or uh, or on you know Listen. some other ridiculously long running series, and even then people don't stick around forever unless you're the he- showrunner. Here's the thing: I don't need things to last forever. I just need them to last longer than I do. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No, but yeah, and 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 I, but I also think that that is yeah the like, just also coming from when we did of like tv shows having such like longevity and just the maybe impression that creates on someone who wants to get into that Hmm. and i think also particularly like american television tends to also like series tend to run on a long time it seems like in england they're like one series 
That's all we needed. Well, and they'll do what is it? Like no, Doctor Who is nobody does a comedy there beyond two two series because um, uh, nobody wants to try and outdo Faulty Towers. Yeah, like everybody's <laughs> like two two series and you're out. Like get those get those two runs in, and if you don't accomplish everything you need to there, then walk away. Yeah, go exactly. make something different. Yeah, even think about like the TV pilot I'm writing and like the future for it. It's like it's fun. I don't I don't want to have to feel the pret like. Look at me thinking it's gonna like be picked up or yeah. some bullshit. But even thinking, oh man, like well, I don't wouldn't want to do this for more than two years. Yeah. But then what am I gonna? And you always find something to do, sure. maybe, or you don't, and you have to become a bitter person. Well, and you can all, <laughs> you can change the thing too. Like yeah. you can you can make it so that it's not always the same thing over and over again. It can evolve. Uh, like we had. Um, uh, this morning we had Jeff's class for episodic narrative mm-hmm. and we were talking about how South Park kind of realized oh, yeah. like they, they evolved. They started mm-hmm. out as just like dick and fart joke humor, uh, but then realized with a couple episodes in one season that they had a social um, a social angle and a social power that they could say something about society as a whole and have it resonate uh, in the satire world. And now they've turned into a satirical comedic show that has dick and fart jokes but that's on top of a really intelligent you know top level satire yeah um and so you you can always make it evolve too you could change i mean i could i don't know if i have that capability that that's why you go do it you you learn by doing uh yeah but i don't want to learn what my limits are (laughs) (laughs) as you as you can probably tell tony and as you can probably tell from prior uh, interactions I am secretly a very scared person. <laughs> Speaking of prior interactions, so yeah. uh, so I got to produce your term three film. Uh, I I know what I would pitch, how I would pitch it. How would you pitch it if you were if you were telling somebody what what it actually is? So it's a meta fever dream in which there's a writer's room that a lady enters and says, "Hey, are you guys pitching? I got this idea." And the lady sits down and says, "So it's a writer's room." And this lady comes in and says, "Hey, are you guys pitching? I got this idea." And she sits down and says, "So it's a writer's room." And this lady comes in and says, "Hey, are you guys pitching?" And then things start going off the rails. And there's a crowbar and some William Blake poetry in there too. <laughs> <laughs> because why not yes that's so, the, so, so that's actually that like in so the inside 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 is pretty much how i like write it out when i pitched it to anyone mm. in an email or something gotcha gotcha <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's it's an interesting project because on on paper it reads ever so slightly insane but it does make sense in the in the grand scheme of things when you get through the whole thing it, it all buttons back up and but you do get a few layers deep, and luckily you've got the characters in there that are seeing what the audience is seeing, and mm-hmm. literally have the character hyperventilating like as this is going on to see to get that, uh, you yeah. know, audience reaction, somebody they can empathize with, and what is going on. Yeah, and then there's like the other the uh, there's you know the girl writer who's like, oh, okay, what the what the fuck is this? I'm getting you know. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, I mean it's it's weird, and to be fair, I. The inspiration for that was just that was just a bit I would do to people sometimes if I saw two people in a room mm-hmm. and they were like clearly writing. I would just go in and say, "Hey, are you guys pitching stuff? I got this idea." Okay, yeah. so two guys are writing in this room. Okay, and you have this pitch character down pat. Like yeah. I feel like if if nothing else works out in the comedy world, you would be able to at least go into into like product pitching because the Denny Lemay thing from Head Funds. Yeah, <laughs> the the mannequin commercial pitchman is apparently what I'm good at. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have that firmly in your wheelhouse. Yes. And I think wasn't when I first came on, weren't you considering casting yourself in that in that I, pitch I, I was, role? but I just knew I would micromanage. I would just not be calm yeah. enough on set to focus. Well, now being on the other side of it, I think you you've seen how much work because uh, it, yeah. it, it takes well, up and how many but, people. But it even takes. if I was the actor, not the director, I would still like need to because it was my vision. Right. You know, it was like well, but it was also I just wasn't sure I could find someone with my energy. Fortunately, that actually is surprisingly easy to find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and best of all, it was a woman. So you yeah. Know, and here there there are a few people that that can pull that off. Like yeah. you had options going into the into the casting, which was definitely yeah. cool. That's true. Like yeah. I don't know that you have that all over the country there's only a few cities where i feel like you've got the talent the talent and the ability and the commitment uh on the part of the, the character to be able to produce something like that yeah yeah that's true i mean i never even thought about trying to yeah if like theoretically this was like the university of kansas film school like yeah. what that would you be like. might find somebody but like the fact that you had multiple options here mm-hmm. and we're not even that deep into the the chicago community like yeah these were just like some people i knew (laughs) yeah yeah it's like friends and friends of friends and Mm -hmm. like the you know the immediate community which granted is second city and io and annoyance and all those but it is also there are a lot of like people who is saying i feel i i I know i'm just copying something i heard from someone else lately because that's what i do good artists borrow great artists steal (laughs) Go for it. Yeah, but also a lot of mediocre artists also steal. Um. <laughs> yeah, they're just dumb about it. So be yeah. smart. <laughs> what's what's the piece? Don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, the like in Chicago, it is that there are you know there are a lot of talented people mm-hmm. who like they're still coming up and they haven't broken yet. Right, and that's and so they're still hungry. They still want the real. I know talking about getting free help is like talking about the cost is kind of shitty, but it is it's a, it's a very nice thing. It's a legitimate. I mean, yeah. it's a legitimate con- consideration. So I just had uh, Bridie on last week, Bridie Hicks, mm-hmm. and she was talking about her budget and figuring out like how what all goes into it. And it's interesting seeing how it gets divvied up. Like so much of it is just food. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Oh. Crafty is is yep. king, and I and hold then, Crafty very important. Yeah. And then after that, then you go down to uh, to equipment rentals. Mm-hmm. And after that, then you go down to um, you know the the actual personnel that you're going to have on set if you can get some you know somebody that's the paid DP, paid audio, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that comes props and logistics and location. Yeah, IDK transportation. Yeah, like it's it's all that stuff gets paid for somehow. My budget. Um, going into this was like 600 bucks yeah um i have i have easily spent about a thousand yeah and i think i just even yeah other people i've talked to who have done their session three thing it's just like yeah that's just what it's going to end up costing yeah yeah it it does i mean if if you're gonna do it right and make it Mm -hmm. good like you're gonna have to spend some money on it yeah the the days of of uh doing stuff and you know zero budget feature ideas like those are we're we're pretty well beaten out of us <laughs> in this program of of you know you're gonna have to spend some money to keep a happy crew to keep a happy set to be able to get the stuff done that you need to get done. And so there are two things I want to say on that. First of all, and it's so f- sad that we spend this money and all these weeks and time and effort, and I my hair is receding a little bit because of the film. 
but then you see a vine. <laughs> I can vouch it was doing that a little bit beforehand. Okay. So. <laughs> well, it, yes. <laughs> you were such an antagonistic host, Tony. <laughs> um, it's only because I'm your friend and I know I could do this. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, yeah, but then you just see like, a little Snapchat that's someone throwing a shoe at a flower, at like a flower pot, and it's like the amount of laughs, like you're, yeah, you're never gonna get as big a laugh in your five minute thing as right. that five second thing got. The second thing is, I do feel like one thing that is pushed here is that is good is like the idea of keeping a happy crew, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't. I yeah I guess yeah I just I always I'm I feel a need to be liked and yeah. so I want my crew to like me so obviously I got to do everything I can to make them happy but also I feel like yeah that is something that is pushed is like a happy crew works well right and they work yeah. well and also then I mean especially in this where it is a gig economy type thing like you mm-hmm. you need to be able to get work for the next gig and yeah. if you have people that like working with you last time good chance when they need another grip pa dp whatever it's going to be they'll come back to you and ask you to to do the to do the next thing with them or the, i was thinking the reverse as the head honcho yeah yeah like you'll you'll find the people that you like working with yeah and they'll and they'll want to work for you again yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah uh and so for um for the final you're, you're now up to you've seen the rough cut i've it's between an assembly and a rough between an assembly and a rough okay and uh boy i gotta say rough <laughs> but it has to it has to go yeah that. like I, it yeah i don't um i don't want to talk too much about my issues with it it just because this is going i doubt the editor is going to he- listen to this mm-hmm. but you know i well i've already i've already made it obvious that i have some problems with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's it's just making uh yeah it's it's you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait to bitch until I see like the, the actual rough cut, right? Because yeah, well, there was, and that's that's there the thing. Whenever you're looking at an assembly cut, it's it is just that. It's literally mm-hmm. just putting the pieces down where they need to go. Pacing is never gonna be right, and yeah. uh, and length of clips, and sometimes the, even the selection of specific clips and performance is mm-hmm. never gonna be right. It's just more or less: do we have enough pieces to assemble this? You know. Yeah straight through like that's that's the assembly cut yeah. so it's because uh, i was talking to somebody else about this and they uh it was melissa mcglinsey um mm-hmm. she and i were talking about her hers today because yeah. she's gotten up to almost assembly cut and well, the guy that she's working with doesn't want to send her the assembly cut he wants to wait until it's a little more polished and she's mm-hmm. like just send me the assembly cut and she's like i know it's not going to be great mm-hmm. but you know it's it, you just need to know do we have everything we need what are the big problems are there things that we can start organizing fixing like yeah maybe get an adr session or well maybe but then the things maybe. i'm worried about have kind of been skit like as because f- there is one moment in my there's one moment in my film where i think the keen observer will notice uh, get so more comfortable talking about this stuff. yeah <laughs> um it's gonna become a regular thing for you oh uh, god yeah <laughs> I just feel like such a it's it's funny because it's like oh I have the ego to to like have have people spend time on this thing and sp- yeah. burn all this money which really I shouldn't be burning on this 
t- but but then when it comes to t- like so I clearly have that vanity mm-hmm. but then I'm like but to talk about it I don't how dare I deign to talk about that this feels thing. a little that feels a little presumptuous on my part <laughs> um but yeah, there's one moment where it's like the guy and girl like walk in across like that sort of romantic walk together, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm not sure if I have enough for that to like pace out, and he like didn't see how ever mu- I don't know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, I just I mi- I'm just as you know a micromanager, but I also don't know what I should be micromanaging. Sure. Yeah. And that's and that's that's the difficult part of it is uh, you know, I I have yet to have a single shoot that I've ever done where everything came out the way that I expected it to. Yeah. And there's and expecting it to, which yeah. is which but then being okay with how it came out too. Sure. You know? And th- but that's the thing is that I've I've also had I've had a f- quite a few instances where we've made something and something better than what I had anticipated came out mm-hmm. in parts of it. Not even necessarily the whole thing. You know, sometimes it, it doesn't, it kind of, you shoot and you miss. But in other cases, like, I've I've had, like, those happy accidents, those things that just happen to line up perfectly or yeah. perfectly aligns to the piece of music that I found for it or, mm-hmm. you know. Or that one moment that's like, wow, that lighting is fantastic. Yeah, and the, those things that I was not expecting mm-hmm. to to stand out and be, like, and, and you learn that stuff as you go through the edit process. You'll yeah. start to kind of find where where you're supposed to lean on the on the production so sometimes you don't have those couple pieces that you thought you wanted just the way that you wanted them but maybe you can redirect to other stuff that worked a lot better yeah that you can spend more time on or you know uh, uh highlight even more in the in the overall storyline um i it, it always surprises me watching like the the cut scenes from films and to think that you oh, put as yeah. much time effort energy this was a part of this this all the way up mm-hmm. through filming and then you leave it on the cutting room floor yeah like that that's that's painful in my mind of, of saying like i didn't at the end of the day we didn't need this thing that we invested sometimes yeah. days of shooting in and just like did it work or no it's like thinking about this the most the most expensive shot in my film was like i f- i fucking rented a, a a ronin gimbal yeah for it why did we rent a ronin gimbal for a single shot you know what you told me to do it anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> I, t- I we could have used you, it you for su- more stuff you, yeah but you you i mean and to be fair you suggested it and it was uh by the yeah, I had changed the script around after yeah. you had suggested it, but we kept doing it. Whatever. But it's like, who knows if that <laughs> shot, like, that shot might not even fit. Like, yeah. It just might be like, oh, that's a cool shot, but it's also like, that, ooh, that, that, that seemed, that just calls it too much attention to itself as a shot mm-hmm. in the style of the thing. Anyway. I don't. I don't think it will. I think it's, I think it's going to fit because, okay. I mean, it, it's, it's on your antagonist protagonist antagonist like, you see here's the, the great you're, thing you're about an interesting film. balance Every, with that yeah film. yeah everybody everybody's both characters at some point in time which is which is gosh darn it isn't that just like human nature <laughs> everybody's a hero and a villain at some, some point in time sometimes in their you're life. the schindler sometimes you're the eichmann you know uh, i thought you were gonna say sometimes you're the schindler sometimes you're the list <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so all right, so we've got that one in the works. Uh, what else have you created? Like, uh, so I know you're working on a written piece too. What's yeah. what's that one about? Um, so it's a meta fever dream. No, um, <laughs> actually, it kind of I, is. I want you to know, I see a theme in your work. <laughs> I want you to know, 
I see it too, and I'm terrified of it. <laughs> uh, but so that is, it is about um, a like history channel style crew like documentary crew in this particular documentarian who's going out trying to like record all of these like long lost forgotten american folk tales mm-hmm. and the things and and the situations they get themselves into as they travel across uh these weird parts of america to hear these folk tales we also see the folk tales play out but it's like all in the imagination of the main mm-hmm. character um so it's like a it's like a mix of uh, 30 Rock meets Drunk History, but neither of those. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, just in the, like, jumping between... Like, usually the A if, and B if story... There was a, if there was a crew that was following around and filming, uh, like, a like a traveler history... Or, like, a... Uh, like a the, um, who's the guy that does all the documentary? Ken Burns. So yeah. we were following around the production of a Ken Burns documentary, and wild things, weird things were happening as they were traveling. Is that... Yeah. And it's it's also just about, like, the weird people they meet. Mm-hmm. Um and the the first episode is like about the lengths that that the guy Doug is willing to go and is willing to take his two crew members the 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 he 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 is he t- what he's willing to do to like get someone to tell him like this story mm-hmm. for example oh I don't know um uh holding a rabbi up to knife point so that the rabbi will convert him. <laughs> To Judaism because the storyteller doesn't share the story with the goy, you know, like, <laughs> I, and I feel like that that might be like a, you know, that's an attention grabber. <laughs> um, I st- I still don't know how I'm going to top that. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, mixing the one, uh, doing an episode about the one drop rule and vampires, but I'm not African American, and that could just read really poorly. <laughs> Which is, is yeah, self self editing as you're producing it. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 really just stopping at some point and saying, okay, what are the optics of this? Yeah, <laughs> how much of the, how much of the script are you through? Oh, I've written the whole pilot. Um, I'm just it's now just making it good. Okay, um, so it's it's a series that you're. That you're I, yeah, I want to make a TV series. Yeah. Okay, and so so wait, is that is the is the, 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 the rabbi survey. thing in the in the pilot episode? That's in the pilot episode. Oh, so you have to top that maybe 12, 13 times. <laughs> so here's the thing <laughs> about a lot of my ideas is that they just start out as some goofy. I just like the idea of someone going around the country uh, like Johnny Appleseed, but instead of tossing apple seeds, he was just tossing lead into bodies of water. So that's how I got the idea for the folk hero. And then I was like, OK, how can I tell this story? And I built this whole other thing around. I don't. And I, this is probably true for everyone's creative process. Like, I tend to like m- start with very low stakes things, and then fuck myself in a loop trying to justify their existence. Yeah. And then I make something that might be fantastic, but that I can't follow up on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one reason why I didn't want to do TV, because it's like, hey, I did this crazy thing. Okay. <laughs> I think you the stuff like Rick and Morty though has probably proven that you can get away with just constantly reinventing it because uh, that's that that show their own they they've more or less admitted that their their continuity is fucked like they can't yeah. they can't keep that show doing the same thing working the same way uh, just because of the 
technology and storylines. Oh and, yeah, and things yeah, like that's that, true. But I mean, I'm hey, I'm not dealing with technology. I'm dealing with everyday people. Okay, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, everyday made up folk heroes and <laughs> and made up people. Um, <laughs> every day. Uh, yeah, but just with the, I don't like having it. Like, it can be a fun challenge to have to top myself, but I don't. I'm I'm lazy. <laughs> like I might not. The see, real problem at the every, end of the every, day. Everybody everybody says, "Oh, you're not lazy." No, like really, I am. Yeah. I just I just the one feeling in me stronger than laziness is like kind of a need to like impress people. <laughs> It's that people pleaser end of uh, yeah yeah no I get that yeah so what have you gotten out of the program here like what what's been helpful in kind of pushing you along what were what were your biggest takeaways so far granted you're not done just yet but you get your approach in the end yeah um thanks for reminding me <laughs> um, <laughs> no pressure gosh I say I'm a lot don't I. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to say I'm. First of all, I've realized that, um, you know, life is very long and God is a joke. Uh, you know what? I already knew that. This just solidified it. Um, <laughs> I guess this has taught me, like, don't worry about... Don't worry about being fucking James Joyce and, like, saying everything. Mm-hmm. All right? You're not, like... The concept of, like, the canon is stupid and you just got to do what you're going to just do what you want to do don't worry about like your legacy or any of that and so that's that that's just sort of a deeper like psychological thing that i'd been fighting with for a long time but a more like immediate thing i can think of is just like learning how oh this is how collaboration works Mm -hmm. and seeing like oh oh okay like yeah i don't i don't have to do everything on my own right um, and I would say those are major things I got out of it, besides the technical, like, right. which I, you know, I I did I didn't know I didn't know a Sony from a from a from a, a, a another red. Sony, <laughs> red Canon. Yeah, I mean, I, I I could I could know the difference because they t- tend to have their brand names on the equipment. Right. But you would know but why you'd want to use one over another. That's yeah, what, exactly. Yeah. I just knew the bigger the better. <laughs> <laughs> which um, is not always true yeah not always true but yeah no just learning and then like also you know what learning i'm a com i'm a i'm a, I'm a capable director mm-hmm. and if I, but i'm also i don't i don't want to think of, i don't want to think of all those things i just want to be able to focus on writing yeah um and yeah just just the j- i think things that i like kind of knew all along you know it's like you always hear things that like you know are true, but then when you actually have to like live live that truth, then you figure out, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it. Yeah. Now I'm gonna like stick to that truth. I am so vague right now. Um <laughs> Okay, here's your here's the sound bite for you. Networking. Yes. Story. Industry. That's what I learned. <laughs> Just for the audience at home, I was getting a finger count, and there was a fourth finger, and he couldn't complete what that one was. I completed what that one was. That's what that's what it I ties got from all this. the others yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the that's the rope that binds the fasces. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
so if somebody else were looking to go into either this program or you know a film school school program someplace else, what advice would you give them going into it? Don't expect anyone, even though you're in a program, don't expect anyone to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. I think I think the problem is this is just generally how higher education advertises itself, mm-hmm. or and maybe also how the school was, and this you know the the school is still figuring itself out. Mm-hmm. But like people weren't sure like what to expect. You know, people were kind of expecting like maybe a job placement or like a direct mm-hmm. pipeline to these guys, and it's like, well, that's not how, that's not how like what. So they give you a pipeline to the guy, and then you just twiddle your thumbs right in front of them and drool like a baby, like. Or like anyone who drools. I don't know. I don't do babies drool. That's beside the point. <laughs> but yeah, just like you you put in your own work and the te- and the teachers will see like, oh, you are very serious about this. You're not asking for any kind of handouts. And I know that that can be kind of a loaded term and I'm not saying anything about the welfare system uh, in the U.S. or anything like that. But just as far as handouts of like, Give me this leg up on the ladder. He yeah. like you, like you have to, you have to, you have to build the ladder, and then someone will. Um, I got an, I got a very extended metaphor that I'm thinking of about ladders. It's not working, but do your own. Like, just worry about you, and and people will see that. Yeah, you know? which is something that I've I've heard from a lot of teachers too. Is is like you know don't overextend yourself for everyone else make sure you're getting what you need done mm-hmm. and getting what you need out of it uh um, yeah but uh, for me it was it was a lot of like trying i wanted to work on other people's sets because i never had gotten that chance before yeah uh, oh and when i say worry about you like i didn't mean like the charitable way that you were meaning it i was meaning the like yeah the hand like don't expect someone to give you the hookup Sure. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. You know? But the but I think it, it, it all ties together. It's, yeah. it's you you ha- you're coming but in here to, to help yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're t- you're coming in to take care of. It's yeah. The take care of number one. And and also I would I would say coming into this program. Well, a couple more things about coming into this program. One, yeah, they're gonna say this all the time, and it's a good point. Don't be precious. Like you're not that fucking great. And I say this as someone who <laughs> knows that he's not that fucking great. Um, I just am told. I'm pretty good by some people, so I have that to buoy me. Yeah. But I know I'm not fucking great. And also uh, a mix of like, oh, here's a really important thing, actually. You're like, you're you're not too good to PA on anyone's set or anything. Mm-hmm. Having said that, do read the script before <laughs> you agree to do something. That's always helpful. Yeah. and But it, I think, it, I feel like it's someone, oh, you know this person... You know, you trust. Like sometimes it's like you don't want to waste two days on a script that you're p p a in or sitting around on a script that you're like, you know, you agree to it, then you see the script and you're like, the fuck, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah, believe in the work that you're working on. Yeah, because in a lot of cases, even even as a PA, especially here, you have the ability to go walk up to the director in the weeks beforehand and go, hey, this part doesn't work, or. Here's here's an idea for how you could ro- work around this problem or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's a very e- everybody's on the same level 
yeah. prior to getting on set. It's when you get on set that you kind of fall into the line of the hierarchy. So if you're mm-hmm. in a PA role and you haven't looked at the script and you see like a glaring problem, yeah, d- it depends on whose set you're on as to whether or not that's something that could be addressed in the moment or not. Exactly. Or if you're just you know yelling into the wind. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that's what I would say to someone coming. Um. Sure. Oh. Uh. Also. You know, just between you and me, just make sure you can have parents that can foot your bill. You know, that's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't hurt if you have a way of paying for it. Yeah, without having to get a job. (laughs) Because let me tell you something about... (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I don't want to... Well, in in kind of wrapping up here, uh, if people want to try and track you down on social media, follow along, see uh, the final product for a pitch when it's uh, when it's finally done and goes up for people to see, Mm -hmm. uh, where can they find you? Uh, They can find me. Well, funny you should say where they can find me. I'm currently looking for a new place to be found at the end of August. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't mean physically. I meant like online. Okay. (laughs) Well, I am looking for roommates. So if anyone out there hears this. Uh, I am good at keeping the mess to myself. Okay. Um, my room will be a mess, but the living room <laughs> as spotless as you can. I'm could glad ask for. my show could be Craigslist for yeah. you. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't trust Craigslist, so this is the next best thing. Um, Social media. Where can they find? Where me? can they find you? Uh, <laughs> so uh, at the moment, I am putting all of my energy <laughs> into um, my Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I say all of my energy, you know, I, I just haven't gotten anything else. Yeah. Um, but so my Facebook is, it's not Jeff Winograd, as you would think. It's, no. It's Harv Winograd. That's J-A-R-V, mm-hmm. as in jackalope, anteater, robin, venereal, <laughs> <laughs> Winograd. Uh, and that's that's my Facebook name. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah. And th- yeah, thank you for finally having me on. I've been bugging. <laughs> I've been bugging this guy since I, I think before I knew him <laughs> about being on the podcast. Well, I was glad to have you on. Oh, thank All you. Right. Thanks. That was Jeff Winograd. If you were curious about meretricious, I did actually look it up, and it is someone or something that is apparently attractive but having, in reality, no value or integrity. I can definitely say that Jeff is not meretricious in any way, shape, or form. I'm glad we can learn this together. Thank you to Jeff, to the Harold Ramis Film School, and the Second City staff for their help. The music on this week's episode was Promises by Derek Evry. You can find more of his music at DerekEvry.com. This show is recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com. See you all next week. Class dismissed! Class dismissed!